Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right. Just before we go to Jay Woodcroft, it's 134 in Edmonton. i got to read this text from the Chiseler out of Las Vegas. He says, Bob, I'm texting you from the seat of of my pants today. I'd never disrespect your show. Love the truculence on uh, this Manic Monday with the addition of Brian Burke. Bob, as a single-digit golfer, I heard you're the president of sandbaggers across North America. Is there any truth to that? Well, this is where I bring in Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, the former associate coach of the Edmonton Jay, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How are you? Good. Do you remember when we did the golf event uh, in uh, Palm Desert uh, at the Bighorn? I do. I do. What a course that was. It was great. It was a great course, and we had a four caddy for that event. So every foursome got a caddy. And the chiseler is accusing me of being a sandbagger here. It was during that day that that four caddy looked at me and said, uh, Bob, I'm pretty sure you are the worst golfer we have ever had on this course. Like, seriously. I mean, you know, it's such a, I mean, it's a, they did the Battle of the Bighorn with Tiger Woods there and Phil Mickelson once. And, but he actually looked at me and Jack, and I forget who the other two guys that were unfortunately stuck with us at that event. And uh, he said, I'm pretty sure you're the worst golfer we've ever had of this. So I'm certainly, I just want to establish, I'm not a sandbagger when it comes to golf. Maybe sometimes, no. maybe sometimes on on hockey information. Maybe don't always let on everything I know. But when it comes to golf, I'm a bad golfer. What about you, Jay? Well, um, I don't golf as much as I would like, and certainly never during the season. But uh, I can I can make a few good shots, which makes you want to come back and for more. But I find it hard with a young family to find five hours uh, in a summer day um, to spend the amount of uh, time required to be a really good golfer. But I do enjoy it. I enjoy being with your your buddies and whatnot. But uh, I would agree, any time that your score has uh, three digits in it, it's not a good thing. So for me, I'm, uh, I'm low 90s, high 80s on a good day. And, um, you know, when I retire eventually, I'd like to work on it. Uh, into my uh, golden years. Well, on that note, I have a theory that anybody under the age of 55 that's really good at golf probably doesn't work hard enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's interesting. Yeah, good one. Yeah, say hi to Keith Gretzky for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, tell us about the, the three games against uh, Henderson, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, farm team that you played over the course of the last uh, four or five days. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting week. It was uh, we we played them three games in a row in their building, and um, essentially uh, we had some work to do in order to try and try and win the division uh, regular season crown. And uh, we won two out of the three games. They were all competitive, um, but we didn't uh, we didn't win all three. And uh, because of that, we finished in second place, which is a good achievement for our team. You know, we played that Vegas team uh, a lot recently, and we've uh, we won seven out of eight games. 
and uh, it's hard to win eight games in a row against one team. Um, but unfortunately, we couldn't get that done. But, you know, I was really proud of our, our effort on the weekend. We lost the game midweek, but on the weekend, I really appreciated our, our players digging in and uh, finding ways to win. And last night's game was an interesting one because we were down 3 nothing early, the first 10 minutes of the game, and they just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, had some big penalty kills, uh, especially into overtime, and then we won that game in a shootout. So 7-8 uh, out eight, uh, is, a, is a pretty good feat against the number one team in our division. Unfortunately, we couldn't win all eight in a row. Jay, the Oilers were a different team when they got Mike Smith healthy. And Mike Smith getting healthy coincided with the arrival of Stuart Skinner to your team. He ended up leading the AHL in wins. Did he change the complexion for your squad once he was sent down? Well, it was interesting because if you remember at the start of our season, uh, you know, we got a little bit later start than uh, some of the teams in our division just because of the proximity and the international border and all that kind of stuff. So our training camp started on January 25th. We didn't uh, get the results early. Uh, as a team that we wanted to, um, but we felt the, that we were playing the game the right way. We were, you know, right where we wanted to be. We just were finding ways to not win. And then Stewart came down and he played in the um, fourth and fifth game of our year. Uh, but he had to serve a little bit of a quarantine. So, he, you know, like uh, it was an interesting situation for him. He played the first couple games. Uh, he lost the first couple but played well. And then all of a sudden the team took off and, and went uh, one nine games in a row and kind of got us to where we are today. What I like about Stewart is that he leads the league in the most important category, which is team wins. He gives us a chance to win. His, you know, his goals against average is way down from where it was um, last year. And, you know, I believe that he established himself as a full-time American leaguer last year. This year, he established himself as an elite American League goaltender, and I think it's a credit to him. I think it's a credit to, to the work that he puts in uh, with our goaltending coach, Sylvain Rodrigue. But where I saw the most growth with Stewart was in his ability to handle the workload, both physically and mentally. He's been great. He's a big reason why we're at where we're at. We're joined by Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. They have an upcoming uh, playoff series. We'll get to that in a second in terms of how it's all going to work. Defensively, uh, you know what, before we get to the – well, we could do it defensively because it played, the, the pandemic played a factor. The plan was for guys like Evan Bouchard – Oh, or William Ligason, at least one of those guys to be down there. Uh, not only did you not get one of those two guys, you ended up losing uh, Theodore Lenstrom. You had some injuries. I know that uh, for the last several weeks, uh, Nima Linen's been out of the lineup. I don't know if he's coming back for the playoffs. Kemp's been down too. So you've had to cut your way through it on defense. Obviously, some veteran players help make that happen for you. Yeah, 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 we've we've really grinded through uh, our injuries down here, and uh, Gravel uh, also missed a, a significant amount of time there as well. And it's a credit to the depth on the back end. And and you know one of the things about our team uh, that we've had the luxury of of being able to employ, and it's really. Uh, 
when we started to take off was when we started to address seven defensemen. Uh, so on our sixth game of the year, when the very first time that we won a game and went on that big streak, um, we were able to address seven defensemen. And I think it, it suits our team. It allowed me to spread the minutes out on the back end amongst seven people, not overtaxing anybody. It suited the makeup of our back end. And it also allowed me to find ice time for, you know, high-performing forwards. Uh, And what I mean by that is with 11 forwards in the lineup, you're able to create mismatches by putting top players um, against other teams' fourth lines and keep teams off balance, disrupt rhythm, And uh, that's been a real factor for our team. In fact, you know, I think uh, we did a little study the other day on what our record was with seven defensemen in the lineup and what it was uh, when we could only dress six due to injuries. And the difference was significant. So for us, it, uh, you know, it suits our team. And uh, we've had guys step up at different occasions. It's a full credit to our Warriors on the back end because they've been excellent. And like you said, it's been led by our veteran leaders, guys like Stanton and uh, Gravel, just really uh, calmed the waters back there and and set a great example. All right, switching focus here. Uh, Cooper Marodi led the league in goals. Ryan McLeod led the league in plus minus. Of course, he only got into the 28 games before his NHL recall. How badly did you guys miss McLeod down the stretch? Well, anytime you take somebody that uh, plays, you know, 21 minutes, he's one of those guys that I was able to find a lot of ice time for with 11 forwards. But anytime you're, you take someone who plays 21 minutes out of the lineup, it's going to affect things uh, because he played in every situation, took key faceoffs, was on the power play, played on the penalty kill, was a good fixture there. Anytime you do that and you remove 21 minutes up front, it's going to affect things. But, you know, Bob, what I really, uh, what I really, really liked was how our team responded. And if you look at uh, when Ryan left, we played 11 games, the team was 7-4. and four. So there's no excuse. We have an excuse jar on the coaches' uh, table in our in our coaches' conference room, and uh, that's where we put the excuses. We don't use excuses. We try and find ways to win, and with the players that we have available to us, and uh, it's a full credit to those guys that are digging in and and finding different ways to win hockey games, even though we have significant injuries and, and we're missing one of our best forwards, who's uh, earned the right to be in the National Hockey League. Raphael Lavoie went quiet for several games. I saw he had 1-1-2 one, one, and two last night. This is a guy, he's going to need maybe a full year next year in the A. What are your thoughts on him right now? Well, I think uh, what he's going through is typical of younger players in their first experience in the American Hockey League, which is they're learning how good the league is, number one. They're learning that... Uh, there's things they need to work on in their personal game that are going to help them moving forward. Uh, when I think of Raf, I think of an offensive skill set, someone who loves to shoot the puck, but there's things that he can improve away from the puck when he doesn't have it on his stick. And I think uh, Ryan McLeod is the perfect template uh, for Raf to follow and, and how Ryan built out his game 
so that when uh, when the call eventually did come, that the coaching staff up in Edmonton feels uh, very good about him on the ice. They trust him. They show that in the minutes that that Clowder plays up top, and uh, that's what we're trying to get to uh, with Raf. We're trying to build out his game, round it out, refine it, making sure that his value system is correct on, um, you know, just little little plays within the game, intangibles, and um, you know he's got a good attitude about it. He's working hard, but like a lot of young players, it's a learning experience when you first get to this league. So we've talked a lot about Marodi and McLeod and Tyler Benson this year. You got some veterans, Cracknell and Griffiths that this year were on NHL deals. Brad Malone was brought in on an AHL deal, but another guy that came in on an AHL deal, a good score last year, Medicine Hat, and. You know, kind of closed pretty well for you. James Hamlet was he a, was he a bit of a surprise, or had you guys you know thought there might be some offense there based on how he closed out his major junior career? Well, I can tell you that I didn't know much about James Hamlin. Uh, I think it's a credit to our scouting staff to find this young player. Uh, obviously, he has some history coming out of the, the city of Edmonton and his history of playing with Benson and, and Skinner on that same team that came up through the south side there, but he had a good junior career. And, um, you know, when we did sign him, I did a little bit of video work on him. I, I saw a conscientious player with some skill. But more than anything, I just keep seeing this guy in in, in the great clips that the coaching staff uh, go over after each game. He just seems to be in the right spot all the time. He's competitive. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's strong on his stick. And, um, you know, his effort and enthusiasm is contagious. I feel like I can play him anywhere in our lineup, and he's going to have success. He also is a big fixture on our penalty kill. Um, I think it's a, like I said, I think it's a, you know, a feather in the cap of our scouting staff and and uh, keep finding these type of guys that can help propel our program going forward. And, uh, you know, when I talk to James, you know, he's a young guy. He's, he's had some success in his first year in the American Hockey League. In his mind, what he's striving for is to help the team win and to grow his game so that one day he can earn one of those NHL contracts. And he draws inspiration you know, from guys like Barbelouet and, and Yanni Gord in, in Tampa Bay. And uh, who knows, if he keeps getting better, you never know what, the, what can happen. How's the skating? Like, I, I haven't seen him play a lot since 12-13. I think I saw him twice at Medicine Hat last couple of years uh, before the pandemic hit. But how's the skating? His skating's good. He has a good motor to him. Um, I think he's a lot of times F1 on the forecheck. I trust his skating enough to put him out uh, early in penalty kills because I think he closes quickly. I think uh, his greatest asset is his hockey sense. Um, he has to get a little bit stronger, like a lot of those young guys do. Um, and his finish rate at the American League level can improve a little bit. But like I said, he has earned the coaching staff's trust. That's why he plays minutes in all different types of situations. I play him right wing, left wing, center. Uh, he's been a big part of the team's success. And, and um, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's a credit uh, to the people who brought him into our program because he's a good one. All right. Well, the Anaheim Ducks are done. So some of their players, uh, they got a couple pretty high-end guys. Jamie Drysdale on defense, Tra- uh, Trevor Zegras. Those are their top two picks the last two years. They are uh, with uh, uh, San Diego. You did not play Dylan Holloway this week. Um, is there a chance he may draw in Friday when you start your series against San Diego? 
Well, we're taking things day by day with Dylan, and and you talk about an exciting young player. We've seen him, you know, on the ice in practice. Here, he gets up and down the rink really nicely. Um, you can see that his, he's got an NHL body type. Uh, he seems like a really, really uh, smart hockey person when you sit down and you talk hockey with him and you go over different types of situations. Um, he's a day-to-day for us right now. He's in, you know, eventually with the hope is that he gets cleared by our medical staff uh, down here in conjunction with the staff up in Edmonton. And if he does get cleared and he's able to get through it, um, you know, we would be excited to have him in the lineup. It would be a no-brainer. He would be in our lineup. So it's just a day-by-day thing, and it's going to be coming down to whether the medical staff clears him or not. How have you guys matched up this year against San Diego? We played them hard. It's uh, it's been uh, very much a, a very close series. The goals for and goals against are very similar. The special teams are very similar. Um, we've had different lineups against them at different times of the year, as they have had against us. As you mentioned, they, they they've returned two high-end draft picks that came down from Anaheim, but they also returned some veteran players from Anaheim that uh, are going to give them a real different look. So guys like uh, Agazino and Carrick um, that are good veteran players, and uh, we're going to have our work cut out for us. But we like our group. We like our uh, attention to detail. We like our enthusiasm. And we know that if we just put our focus on ourselves, that we give ourselves a chance to win. And uh, we're going to try and play our game and, and live up to our potential. Jay, thank you for the time. Best of luck this weekend. Sounds good, Bob. Have a good one. Take care. You bet. That's Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, joining us on the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. The Edmonton Oilers announced the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation Remax 5050 will support Operation Frontline Impact uh, through the first two games of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, tomorrow, Natalie Minkler will join us in the first half hour to uh, shed some insight on that. Of course, tomorrow's a Tuesday. We've got Mark Spector on the show, and we're working on one other special guest as well. Sportsnet spec for the horses and horse racing Alberta. Do you want to tell you the best pizza in the city still making a great royal pizza, pizza pasta, and so much more? Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or visit the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. To this day in Oilers history, it is brought to you daily by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. I was in Clearwater. Here's Brendan Escott. 1987, Yari Curry, Paul Coffey, and Wayne Gretzky all tally a goal and an assist to lead the Oilers past Rick Tockett and the Philadelphia Flyers in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final at Northlands Coliseum. You ever been to Clearwater, BC? Uh, Not for anything more than a tank of gas and a bag of chips. There you go. Well, uh, we were there for a little bit more than that uh, back in the day. It was uh, was an okay time. Uh, Blue River, Evola, Clearwater, we were in that region all throughout the course of that 1987 Stanley Cup final. So there you have it. Also on this date, 15 years ago, Dwayne Rollison got the shutout. Mike Pekka and Sean Horkoff scored, and the Edmonton beat San Jose 2-0, eliminating the Sharks in Game 6 of Round 2. I know I fired out on Twitter today. Uh, My son Hudson was born that day. He has no idea how close he uh, was to being uh, named Hork or Rolly. I wonder how many people have done that, actually, named their kids 
after prominent like do you think there's going to be a bunch of leons in the future because of leon or more connors i don't know it's uh, something to watch uh lots going on i believe at uh, four o'clock today on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with uh, Jayla and I. She's going to have uh, Amarjeet uh, Sohi, uh, potential, uh, can't, well, he is a candidate for the upcoming uh, mayor's office. He was uh, one time Trudeau's star uh, liberal in the uh, province of Alberta. Uh, number, well, I guess 2015 to uh, 2019. So I'm pretty sure that's who Jaylen has on her show today. Brendan, what's uh, what's Reed got shaking tonight on Inside Sports? Sorry, Bob. It uh, it appears that it's a fluid show as of right now. Oh, okay, a fluid show. Uh, again, sports sets Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing in Alberta. The horses remain in training. They continue receiving the utmost in care. Stay safe, and we'll see you at the races when it's safe to do so. Oh, uh, I stand corrected here. A global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge and uh, 6.30 Chet. So there you have it. Uh, We'll uh, rejoin you tomorrow on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet.